It's All Things Considered on HPR, and I'm Dave Lawrence, concluding the latest episode on Off the Road. You can hear everyone we've spoken with and find links to subscribe to the podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org slash off the road. That includes part one from yesterday with a legendary artist we've been blessed to have as our guest for over a decade now, Taj Mahal. And as we continue, we dig into a fascinating aspect of his career. There's a side of you that worked in film and on TV. So I was hoping to go through a couple of these just to see if you had some both either fun or enlightening memories. Um, and uh, the, the first was... Uh, in 1972, when you were in the movie Sounder, you're credited with both the music and you played Ike Phillips in the story concerning Correct. an African-American family in the Deep South during the Great Depression. Was that your first acting role, Taj? No, but it's probably the first one that really... I mean, there's some things that happen that end up on, on the cutting room floor, so you can't really <laughs> talk about them. Right. But, yeah, I would say that the first commercial one that really had any legs of it. I'm assuming that most people don't bring that up on an everyday basis to you. What's a great story from filming that? Well, oh, the whole thing. I mean, the whole reason I got involved with it was from the script. I had an opportunity to see if I could pull off something that had never been done before. First of all, I was going to try to score a whole movie as a solo artist. Other than Lightning Hopkins, I'm the only other artist that makes music on that soundtrack for that. That's a major, major, major motion picture. Yep. And then I had the opportunity to score that music using banjo, harmonica, guitar, hand claps, shouts, and really bring people physically and emotionally into those characters. You know, oftentimes going to the movies as a youngster, they come to a scene and it's obviously a rural scene. And here's the Viennese Symphony Orchestra playing in the background. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you see a hula halal come out and, you know, hear some heavy metal music. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? So what I was hoping that they wouldn't give me any problem in terms of how I wanted to interpret the music. I was going to have full run. I didn't know whether I would or not. But they gave me full reign to do the soundtrack as I saw it. I had the opportunity to really have a moviola, which was, you know, all the canisters of film. And then I could sit and had a foot pedal with it and put the different films in, lay a guitar across my lap, have a banjo over here, have this over there and harmonica and just look at the film and say, this is what I'd like to put in that scene. The other thing was really good about it was to be considered by the music and the movie industry, a composer, right. a legitimate composer, that, you know, the work is going to be tied to that film for as long as they can play it. So that was really good. It was exciting. And the trip is that not a whole lot longer. And you think of like how you said you got this respect for being a quote unquote composer. And just a handful of years later, it's 1977, Scott Joplin about the king of ragtime with Billy D. Williams and Art Carney. You played poor Alfred in that. Another, you know, incredible composer there. And are there any stories that you remember that are uh, equally meaningful? Oh, for yeah. You? A lot of great stories from that. Um, first of all, it was great working with uh, Clifton Davis. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, uh, Dwayne Jesse. You know, Billy D was fantastic. <laughs> but the two people that stuck out for me, one, 90-year-old, 1994-year-old UB uh, Blake, great piano player and composer from the past, and um, Art Carney, 
who played uh, Ed Norton in the Honeymooners. <laughs> he he played um, John Stark. Yeah, Stark. Yeah, and stories with them. I mean, they used to have a room that had like about forty pianos in it. Some of them didn't have any. You know, they were set so that it looked like you were playing, but you couldn't hear anything. Uh-huh. And they ran a track. But the other ones were really good pianos. Most of them were uprights. So I would come in early to the set in the morning before everybody got there and wander around checking out the pianos. (laughs) And so this is a two part. So one day I'm in there and I'm totally in tune to what I'm doing, playing a blues tune on the piano, key of G. And I lean this way to, to go down the keyboard with my left hand. And I see a figure and I look up and it's UB Blake watching my hands. <laughs> he sees me and he points out. He says, James B. Johnson, <laughs> just like James B. Johnson. Did you ever hear James B. Johnson? I said, well, I never saw him play. He said, well, you playing just like him. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, here I'm just playing the music out of my head on the instrument. I don't, didn't take, you know, the lessons that I took on piano were like, you know. Minimal. <laughs> So rudimentary, I was already here to be me a boogie boogie, you know, so. And then the next time I came in one day, I was the only one that used to come in and play the pianos. So I walk in and I hear this cool jazz being played on the piano. Nice chords and everything, you know. So I wander around till I get closer to the piano. And I peek around the piano, it's Art Carney. Wow. Sitting at the piano, playing the coolest, hippest jazz we kind of nodded to one another, and I stood there, checked him out, and said, mm-hmm. It was obvious that he had listened to some players. Right. I had no idea that. He was really good. And that was one, you know, him playing music. And then the other thing that was really good, he gave me a couple of pointers acting-wise, you know, and we, we did several scenes together. I did, learned a lot from him. And then wonderful to be able to know, you know, more about Scott Joplin, Sure. Who I liked his music and always wondered why and how his music, W.C. Handys and several other, you know, great black American composers have survived to be a part of the American music lexicon. And before we wrap it up, one that you're probably more known for, and you've maintained a connection to these guys throughout your life, which is also fascinating, the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus. Well, it wouldn't have happened without the British being as enamored as they were of American music, going back as far as it could go. And these guys really are in there. And they've been digging into the music and loving the music from the position of looking at it as great art. Jagger and all those guys, Keith Richards, Brian Jones, Bill Wyman, Charlie Watts, Ian Stewart. I'm talking about the guys that are the original band. Yes, you are. You know, with those being said, I was playing with my band at the time with Jesse Davis at the Whiskey Go-Go. I was playing some song and I closed my eyes and playing. And I looked down on the dance floor when I opened my eyes and Mick Jagger's dancing there. <laughs> Keith Richards is dancing. Brian Jones is dancing. Over here, the animals are. Eric Burton's dancing. Wow. You know, Chaz Chandler's dancing. I think Eric Clapton was sitting at the back of the room along with this Japanese group called the Tigers, who was well, Graham Bond was back there, wow. organ player. You know, other Stones were in the room, and I just said, you know what? Those guys are in town. I'm just going to make sure that after this, 
that I go over and I communicate to them that, hey, I want to tell you guys, I really appreciate what you guys are doing musically. If there's any possibility that we could ever be a part of anything that you're doing, please do not hesitate to check us out. So, of course, they got our business manager's card. Four months later, three months or however long it was, eight first-class round-trip tickets came in the mail. Said, hey, you and the band, two of your road guys and a couple of the manager guys, let's go. And we were on a plane over to England, and those guys treated us the best ever. I mean, you talk about a great story. There's only two or three people in this business. Maybe a, maybe a handful that I can say that really like said, hey, guy, come on over here. Pull you up. Here, come on. You know, you know, we want you over here. They just opened up their arms and brought us in, and we had a wonderful time. Those guys are good, and we've been longtime friends. Not that long ago, there you are, still going on stage with them, still playing shows with the. Oh yeah, a couple, yeah, a couple, three times, yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, you know, if, if if I'm anywhere and they know I'm somewhere around, you know, we get together, confirm whatever. They've always been good. I'll tell you somebody else who's always been good for uh, a decade. You've been my guest here on the show and always sharing your good vibe, always being so kind. I appreciate it. Hey, brother, just troll shaka. Right here, brother. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate you back. Mahalo and aloha. Stay safe, brother Taj. Same to you, bro. Oh, no.